July 26th. As we look into the New Testament for today, we'll be reading from the book of Romans, chapter 9, verse 25, through chapter 10, verse 13. In a part of the Bible that emphasizes the sovereignty of God, we see Paul sorrowing and praying and worshiping. He did not feel that God's sovereignty in any way destroyed man's responsibility. The God who ordains the end, that is saving the lost, also ordains the means to the end. The prayers and witness of His people, they go together. God is not obligated to save anybody, for all deserve to be condemned. Even Israel was chosen only because of His grace and love. Therefore, nobody can criticize God or say He is unfair. That He is merciful to sinners should make us rejoice. Israel's rejection of Christ did not ruin God's plan, for He went to the Gentiles, who gladly received the good news. However, God does have a remnant among the Jews, and believing Jews and Gentiles are one in the church. And that's because His mercy endures forever. And now, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. July 26th, Romans chapter 9, verse 25, through chapter 10, verse 13. Concerning the Gentiles, God says in the prophecy of Hosea, Those who are not my people, I will now call my people, and I will love those whom I did not love before. And once they were told, You are not my people, but now he will say, You are children of the living God. Concerning Israel, Isaiah the prophet cried out, Though the people of Israel are as numerous as the sand on the seashore, only a small number will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth quickly and with finality. And Isaiah said in another place, If the Lord Almighty had not spared a few of us, we would have been wiped out as completely as Sodom and Gomorrah. Well then, what shall we say about these things? Just this, the Gentiles have been made right with God by faith, even though they were not seeking Him. But the Jews, who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law, never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law and being good instead of by depending on faith. They stumble over the great rock in their path. God warned them of this in the Scriptures when He said, I am placing a stone in Jerusalem that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. But anyone who believes in Him will not be disappointed. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is that the Jewish people might be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with Himself. Instead, they are clinging to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. They won't go along with God's way, for Christ has accomplished the whole purpose of the law. All who believe in Him are made right with God. For Moses wrote that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But the way of getting right with God through faith says, You don't need to go to heaven to find Christ and bring Him down to help you. 
And it says, You don't need to go to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. Salvation that comes from trusting Christ, which is the message we preach, is already within easy reach. In fact, the Scriptures say, The message is close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. For if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you were saved. As the Scriptures tell us, anyone who believes in Him will not be disappointed. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They all have the same Lord, who generously gives His riches to all who ask for them. For anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So you also must forbear as the Lord bears with you. Right now, this very moment, Jesus is forbearing with you. Right? Anybody want to stand up and say, I'm perfect tonight. I haven't had a bad thought since I came in this room. I am 100% totally sold out to Jesus. And He really is excited about me. The way I am. No candidates. I don't want you to make a fool of yourself. And He's loving you. He's sustaining you. He's giving you life. He's got plans for you that exceed anything you ever dreamed. Tonight. Today. Listen to this. Christ expects things of you that exceed what you achieve infinitely far. Where you are in what you should be and where Christ calls you to be are separated by an infinite chasm. And the distance between what you want your spouse to be and where she is, by comparison, is that close. But you won't ever feel that. You won't ever stand amazed at that. Until the gap, the magnificence of Christ and His infinite worthiness of a life I do not live, unless you feel that. So many of the keys of marriage are in getting our hearts up into the global, great, universal, eternal realities of Christ so that what we deal with here gets into its proper perspective. Now, what I've said so far is true whether you're married to a believer or an unbeliever. Meaning, my vertical experience of forgiveness and justification and grace should be bent out horizontally to my spouse, believer or unbeliever. Make the measure of your grace, that is, the grace you experience, Make the measure of the grace you experience from God the measure of the grace that you offer to your spouse, believer or unbeliever. If you're married to a believer, it gets really interesting. 
stunningly interesting. Because not only is my sin nailed to the cross, her sin is nailed to the cross. Not only has God spoken over me, you in Christ are perfect. God has spoken over her. You in Christ are perfect. Therefore, when I am drawing down the grace of justification for myself, I bend it out towards her and say, You are flawless. Do you think that's possible? For a flawed spouse? If it isn't, I don't understand the Bible. It's a miracle, I admit. It doesn't lie with any natural man. To be able to count your spouse righteous, count them righteous. When you know they're not. I'm saying this only works with a believer. There are other dynamics about how you love and sacrifice and die for an unbeliever. This is unique. When you know, by profession of faith, giving her the benefit of the doubt as you ought for him. They're in Christ. You count them righteous. Today we're reading in Psalm chapter 20, verses 1 through 9, where we'll be reading about a day of trouble. David was going out to battle, and he and his people gathered to pray. His secret of victory was the name of the Lord, the Lord he worshipped sincerely and sacrificially. We'll read about also a day of triumph. Again, it is in the name of the Lord that you fight the forces of evil. God hears and answers prayer and sends you the help you need. And we'll also read about a day of trust, David had a great name, but the name of the Lord is much greater. Some people have names that cannot be trusted, but God's name has never failed. Your days of trouble can become days of triumph if you trust in the name of the Lord. Psalm chapter 20, verses 1 through 9, for the choir director, a psalm of David. In times of trouble... May the Lord respond to your cry. May the God of Israel keep you safe from all harm. May He send you help from His sanctuary and strengthen you from Jerusalem. May He remember all your gifts and look favorably on your burnt offerings. May He grant your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory, flying banners to honor our God. May the Lord answer all your prayers. Now I know that the Lord saves His anointed King. He will answer Him from His holy heaven and rescue Him by His great power. Some nations boast of their armies and weapons, but we boast in the Lord our God. Those nations will fall down and collapse, but we will rise up and stand firm. Give victory to our King, O Lord. Respond to our cry for help. Proverbs chapter 20, verses 2 and 3. 
The king's fury is like a lion's roar. To rouse his anger is to risk your life. Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling.